Welcome back to the Tiny Bites podcast. In this week's episodes, it's another not-so-tiny bite. Maybe I'll start calling these episodes Big Bites. When I first conceived of the idea to start interviewing people in the minimalist, personal finance, and simple living spaces, my guest this week was at the top of the list literally. Penny from the fantastic blog, She Picks Up Pennies, blogs about everything from minimalism to personal finance and everything in between. Penny doesn't call herself a minimalist and she explains why in her interview, but I think she is one. She might be a better minimalist than me. I really wanted to talk to Penny for Tiny Bites to pick her brain about the minimalism movement, her beefs with it, and her approach to decluttering all things she's written about on her blog. I've been looking forward to sharing this conversation with you since we recorded it, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Penny. Thank you so much for joining me today, Penny. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So for those of you who may not know you, do you want to just give a quick overview of She Picks Up Pennies and how that all came to be? Oh, sure. Um, So I started my blog, She Picks Up Pennies, uh, four years ago, almost five years ago now. Wow, is that wild to say. And I was really looking to live more purposefully. So that, that's my tagline, uh, living a more purposeful life one cent at a time. So I was definitely intending to have a financial bend to things uh, because there were definitely some money things I needed to figure out. But very quickly on, I learned that I was uh, having some of these financial issues, I guess, because of consumerism. Like I didn't have a money problem. I had a consumerism problem. Um, And that has really sort of spiraled into frugal living, just being more aware of the choices I'm making, um, not just with things, but I guess with my time and my day-to-day life. So I started the blog as a way to kind of chronicle that. And it's just been really great to see my blog grow, but just the community of like-minded people grow as well. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And I mean, I love your blog, obviously, or else I wouldn't have wanted to talk to you. Um, and so the the piece that I'm interested in is that, you know, you always say that you're not a minimalist, but I looked on your blog today and you have some explaining to do because there are 15 posts posted under your decluttering category and at least five posts specifically about minimalism. So <laughs> can, can you give me a little or give us a little background on why you don't call yourself a minimalist? Sure. I think if you if anybody digs through those posts, you'll see that the answer is complicated and probably not. A, there's not a great answer, I guess. Um, there's a couple of different reasons. I don't feel like I've earned the title. I don't know that it's a title I would give myself. I really think that I can appreciate a lot of the tenets of minimalism, Uh, but you'll know or you'll see in some of the posts that I do take issue with some of the people that have really become the figureheads of minimalism. And I think that is kind of why I've shied away from that title because I'm not looking to live in the extremes. I think I was such an extreme consumer that I'm not really interested in something. Uh, I don't. I don't want like an ultimate quantity. I'm not looking to tally up everything in my home. I guess 
I'm just looking to kind of pick and choose what is actually going to be most beneficial for me. Um, so I, I guess I feel like I haven't earned the title of minimalist. I don't really object to it at all. Um, and I think I'd be flattered if somebody wanted to call me that. But then I would also be like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because I would definitely call you a minimalist on, on the basis that, I mean, not that it's like, Ooh, you're a minimalist. Congratulations. Um, (laughs) but on the, on the basis that, you know, you, you've done so much of the, the work in decluttering and, you know, refocusing your time. And as you say, leading a more and living a more purposeful life. And to me, that just is minimalism, like to a T that's sort of the whole point from my perspective. Um, but I can definitely see, you know, some of the the bigger names in the movement have made it seem or made a created a perception around minimalism that it's about a very specific thing and there's a very specific way to do it. And I don't think that that is the case, really. Yeah, I think um, and I think some different experiences, you know, just thinking about. Uh, I guess how much of this is choice and you know when I started my blog my husband and I were recently married and now you know so much time has passed we're not newlyweds anymore um, and we you know we have a kiddo now so I think I've I've really tried to be careful of not putting myself in any particular box because I really just wanted to go back to that idea of living purposely but I absolutely agree with your point. Um, I think, you know, part of what the media is fascinated with with minimalism is the numbers, right? I live with 37 things, or I live with 60 things, or I have 100 things in my house, um, because those are great stories. But I just thinking about where I am in my life, you know, I'm definitely a huge fan of yours a huge fan of Kate's and uh, Joshua Becker, I love. So I think that is definitely, that's the kind of minimalism, I guess the real minimalism, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying that, but you know, that's really what I um, aspire to. And that's what motivates me to keep going to see kind of how you guys are doing it. Well, that is very kind of you. And I mean, I won't get you in trouble for that. (laughs) But I think that there, you know, minimalism like so many other even in the personal finance world especially you know the fire movement so much of it seems like this you know crazy unattainable ideal that is you know only owning five white shirts and five Mm -hmm. black pairs of pants and I just don't think that that is reality for a lot of people like I just don't think that is even a way that people could fathom living so why in a lot of people's minds, like, why even bother? Because they're never going to get to that point because that's not how they want to live their lives. Yeah, that's, that is actually where I got stuck because I started blogging and I, you know, I dove in, I started figuring out our financial situation. And and like I said, very quickly, I realized like, okay, you own over 200 pairs of shoes. I think you know what the problem is. Um, because, you know, somebody has to buy those shoes and then you have to find a place to put them all. Uh, So stop shopping, step one. But, you know, then I really was trying to drink the Kool-Aid and it it was becoming an exercise just for the sake of doing the exercise. Like I wanted to be able to say, oh, well, I went from 200 pairs of shoes to two pairs of shoes. But 
where I live, there can be four seasons in a single day. Like I'm never going to only have two pairs of shoes. That's just not practical or purposeful for me. So that I guess is where I had to kind of get back in my own lane. Absolutely. I think that there's, you know, certain realities and obviously living in the part of Canada where I do, it's the same kind of thing. Like if a, you know, one of the hardcore minimalists saw how many different kinds of jackets I own, <laughs> that they'd make me mail back my minimalism card because like, you know, three winter jackets, two spring jackets, a summer jacket, because the weather is just so crazy here. So I think there's, you know, certain realities that need to be taken into consideration, which often aren't when people are, you know, painting with broad strokes and, you know, minimalism is this or minimalism is that. But more importantly, minimalism, you know, is not this thing or it's not that thing. And so it sort of creates this dichotomy of what is and what isn't. And I think that that turns people off in a lot of ways when I think there's some tenets of minimalism that could be really helpful for people, but it's been been painted in such a way that they can't even fathom accessing it. Yeah, I think that's exactly, exactly right. And, and people who might start feel so restricted by it that it seems impossible. And I think um, it, it doesn't have to be that way at all, which is why I'm so glad there are so many voices that are starting to say, like, you don't have to commit to this and then box up your entire house to give it a try. Like, you can do this gradually and that's okay. Exactly. And I think that's something that I've really enjoyed reading on your blog is all of these different posts about decluttering and how you're going about the process, you know, in, in big and small ways. And it's, you know, it's not happening all at once as, and I don't think that it necessarily should. Um, so I'm just wondering, at, since you don't call yourself a minimalist, why is decluttering so important to you? I think decluttering is important to me and I mean, I guess I could call myself a minimalist. I mean, if you'll give me that title, sure. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I think decluttering is important to me because decluttering, the clutter is the symptom of the bigger problem. Um, you know, I shopped for sport. It was a hobby. It was a pastime. It was a social thing with not just friends, but with family. Um, but I think it was also something, it was a coping mechanism too. And I think it was really unhealthy. Um, for one post, I kept track of all the things that I tried to buy my son in a single weekend. And I still, every day, I fight that urge. And I think that's why decluttering is so important to me because uh, we just, we don't need it. We don't use it. So I think just having it around is not just unnecessary, but it, it slows down my day. And I think it's just having extra things. It's like clutter begets more clutter. So I just kind of want it gone. Um, and I think everybody knows what it's like to feel busy. And for me, the more stuff I'm surrounded by, the busier I feel, the more anxious I feel. Um, so decluttering has really just invited a lot of peace into my house, into my marriage, 
Um, and certainly into raising a toddler because, wow, is that a wild ride? And do they come with a lot of stuff? <laughs> so um, I think that is why that process has just been so important to keep coming back to because I will start to notice myself feeling like I'm, you know, overcommitted or I don't have time to do everything I need to do. And it's because we're still looking for a shoe or we can't find this paperwork that needed to be mailed back. And since we've gotten good with decluttering, uh, it's still a work in progress probably forever, but so much of that is gone. And I cannot overstate the value of that. Like that has just been a game changer for me in terms of quality of life. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And for the record, I'm, you know, five years, well, maybe six years deep into, you know, calling myself a minimalist and I'm still actively decluttering. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a long process, definitely. Um, but it's one that like, I'm, I'm the same kind of way when I see stuff start to pile up, but you know, it creeps into your day. It, you know, robs you of your creativity. Cause you're like, Oh, I can't think about this blog post I need to write because I have this, you know, pile of stuff that I need to deal with and it you know invades other areas of your life that it doesn't need to um and I think I mean I I don't have kids and that's something that so I can't really speak to that experience but I can only imagine how nice it must feel to you know have a decluttered space with a toddler in it because I can just imagine they're just like you know knocking everything over and rolling around and everything so it must be you know it must create a you know a nice environment yeah, and it's, um, I think what you said is huge, and I don't know that it's really being talked about enough because I think the more space we give ourselves, the more creative we are, and I see that my son is the perfect example of that because we, we know as he grows, like, he's going to need more things. It's not just about wants. Like, he's a growing boy, and he's going to need bigger clothes and one day he'll want to learn to ride a bike and, you know, he's just going to grow up and, and there's stuff involved in that. Um, but since we've tried to be really intentional with what we actually allow to stay in our house and we kind of rotate through the handful of toys that he does have, like he has toys, he has books, he has blocks. Like we're not like, he doesn't just have one book and one ball. Like he, you know, we have a toy box and, um, but we rotate through and it's so interesting to see when we're in a play place and there are tons of toys everywhere. He just flits from toy to toy for a couple seconds and, and doesn't really interact with it. Like he'll pick it up, look at it, throws it, and then he's on to something else. But at home, he really explores things and he tinkers with things and he manipulates things uh, because there's less of it. And I think that is what we do as adults too. I think that's what you're saying about, you know, freeing up the mental bandwidth, I think, to really tackle more creative work when we're not swamped with clutter. I think that's awesome. And the, I think we're, we're similar in the sense that we both have or had, you know, consumption problems or, you know, consumerism problems. I, I was the same way as you just described, you know, shopping, for sport, like every weekend, I would just go to the mall and get whatever was on sale and come home with so much stuff. And I just had so much stuff. It kind of, it makes me ill to think about it. It really does. 
um, you just have all of all of these things that you never wear and then they collect dust and you're like, well, why did I buy them? But then the cycle continues. And I think it's the same kind of thing like with your son with, you know, going from thing to thing because he gets bored or wants to see whatever, whatever, all the things that are out there. And I think that's the same thing with, you know, the consumption economy that we're in right now. It's, ooh, what's the shiny thing that I can buy to make myself feel better for a day or an hour? But then, ooh, next day I'm going to need something else to fill that void. And so that was a really big part of my minimalism journey and something that I'm, you know, still struggle with on a, on a pretty daily basis to, to not give into those I don't want, I don't know, cravings is the right word, but like impulses, I guess, to buy things that I I know that I don't need because I'm at that point now. I know it, but it's still so hardwired in my brain that, oh, if I just buy this one thing, my day will be so much better. My life will be so much better. My relationship will be so much better. When in reality, none of that is really true. Yeah, no, you're spot on. It's just, um, it's a habit to me. Like, the number of times when I will think to myself like, oh, we could really use this. And instead of thinking like, do I own it? Could I borrow it? I'm just, I have the Target app open on my phone and it's in my cart and I'm like, what are you doing? Um, so yeah, I think unlearning those habits is really tough work. So how did you go about, or how are you going about unlearning those habits? Yeah, that's a really good question. I have not done a strict shopping ban or anything like that. Um, but I, right about the time that I was getting ready to start my blog, my parents had said like, okay, you're a homeowner now. You need to get everything of yours out of our house. Like we're not, you know, your storage unit. So come pick up all your stuff. And I remember trying to organize this linen closet and just the stuff just piling up, like just falling all over the floor. And I was just, I finally just broke down and I told my husband, I'm like, we bought the wrong house. It's too small. And he was like, okay, it's a three bedroom house in the Chicago suburbs. Like small is not the word for this house when there are two people living in it. Um, so that was kind of, an aha moment where I was like, okay, I'm seriously looking at a house that has two walk-in closets, a linen closet and another closet just upstairs. And I don't think there's enough space. Like clearly the problem is me. Um, so since then I've just really tried to scale back. I haven't, uh, like I said, stopped shopping, but I've really limited it. Uh, for every one thing I bring in, I make myself get rid of three things. And I've tried really hard to make sure that when I'm bringing something in, it's to replace something. Like I haven't purchased a pair of jeans in probably seven years. And I just bought a pair to replace two that ripped beyond repair. Um, so I think that kind of setting up, not rules, um, but setting up goals or kind of parameters has really helped me reframe. Like shopping isn't your hobby. Shopping isn't the most interesting thing about you. Like, and, and it really, I think, used to be. Um, I was interested in fashion, which I think is separate. You know, I think I think there's an art to that that can be appreciated, but that was not really why I was shopping. Like I was shopping because I was excited by sales and I, you know, the 
designer names and it just it was like I just wanted stuff so I think reframing you know shopping shopping is not your personality um, or it doesn't have to be your personality that it really helped me take a step back and look and see what I actually needed and wanted in my life. Because the other big thing was um, I didn't want to take everything to my house. I wanted to leave things at my parents' house. So I, I really had to think about that. Like if you haven't thought about this shirt in a year and you're fine leaving it with mom and dad, like why can't you just donate it? Um, so that I think that really helped making myself do the work made me want to shop less. Like I, I just, it was like, I'm never going through this again. I am not willing to ever start this process all the way over from zero. So we're just not going to go there. Yeah. I think, I think that's pretty important. I, I definitely identify with that because when I started my decluttering process, I was in my second year of grad school at the time. And so it was just, me and my friend in our two-bedroom, you know, small-ish apartment in Waterloo, Ontario. Shout out to Waterloo. Um, and <laughs> I just remember being like, how did I even end up here? Like, how how did I end up with so much stuff? And it, like all of it kind of just became a blur to the point where I was just in the pile of, you know, kitchen stuff, in the pile of clothes that I, you know, didn't fit me anymore or weren't really my style anymore. I was like, how did, how did this happen? (laughs) You know, you, you accumulate things over, you know, your lifetime. So it's, I think people expect to be able to declutter it all at once. And I think that, I mean, you didn't get it all at once. So it's going to, it's going to take some time, which isn't always the answer that people want. But I think that, you know, really taking the time to go through all of your stuff in a, in a more purposeful and mindful way will a make sure that the stuff that you're getting rid of ends up in a useful place and, you know, not clogging up, you know, our, Mm -hmm. our uh, garbage facilities or, you know, not being recycled properly, but it, it will also make you realize what stuff you do actually value. So then when you do need to go shopping again for a thing, or you just want to go shopping, you can be like, well, actually I don't, really care about this category in my life, but I do really care about this category. So maybe I'll, I'll focus there. So you said that you don't have anything against, you know, the label minimalism. No, but I guess, so, so my issue with minimalism, um, I, I think what has been so helpful to me, uh, in terms of keeping going is realizing how much good, how much potential to do good I have with the things I already own. Something else that I try to write a lot about on my blog, um, and that really matters to me probably even more than my blog reflects, is the idea of trying to serve others and help others. And uh, very quickly, I realized selling is not what I want to do. Selling is generally a pretty big obstacle for me when I'm trying to declutter. Um, So learning how to get rid of my things and rehome them in a way where I can really help people uh, has been hugely motivating to me. And but that's also, I think, what is that little flashing alarm bell in my head 
Um, when I think about some of the things with mainstream minimalism, or I guess um, the most talked about types of minimalism, the suitcase sellers, um, I think the idea of, you know, I had heard you could get rid of everything that you can buy again for $10 or less um, in 10 minutes or less. And thinking about where I live, like that's so much of my life, but I'm not going to get rid of my medicine cabinet. Like I'm not going to get rid of my spices. I'm not going to get rid of things like that because to me, it's, it's about being mindful both ways, not just like how can I help people, but also I am, my husband and I are working really hard to move, you know, middle class, solidly middle class, probably headed to upper middle class. Um, and I want to make sure that the way I approach decluttering or the way I approach minimalism isn't um, a misappropriation of something else. My grandmother lived her entire life below the poverty line. She lived and she called it a cigar box of a house. I mean, she had just a handful of things. She had a ton of shoes, um, but just a handful of things to her name when she died, really. And, um, you know, she had a great life, a wonderful, beautiful life. She was an amazing lady, but she was a minimalist, you know, before minimalism was really a thing out of necessity. Because when she bought something, it was, okay, am I going to buy this shirt or am I going to buy this present or am I going to buy my groceries? Um, and I think that's something that doesn't always sit well with me when I see certain things talked about in certain ways. Like, I think we really do have to be mindful of what a privilege it is to look around and say, I have all this access and I can get rid of it. Um, and I think not to take that for granted. So I guess to me that is, if there is an issue with minimalism, um, that that is what I still struggle with personally. And I, I think that's, you know, totally more than valid. Minimal, being a, you know, being a minimalist is an absolute privilege. And it blows my mind. Like we have, like, even when I do it, I'm like, oh, I have all of this stuff that I can just get rid of. Like what a crazy privilege that is. Like minimalism has existed forever just out of necessity. And I think that's the, the part that does always rub me the wrong way is when you hear things like, oh, get rid of everything that you can replace for $10 in under 10 minutes. It just, oh, it kind of <laughs> really infuriates me on multiple levels. First being, you know, the financial part of that and be like, well, maybe I don't want to, you know, just get rid of everything to then replace it with something else later down the line. That doesn't really make sense in my mind. And two, it's just so wasteful. It's, it it just blows my mind. And I think that we can't, I think there is, you know, a, a portion of the minimalist community that is very concerned about sustainability. And then there's a part that isn't, or doesn't share it in the way that I think that it could be shared because we are really operating under a finite amount of resources. And so I think, especially given the privilege that we have with all of this stuff that we apparently don't need and somehow accumulated, I think we, we have an immense responsibility to make sure that we take care of the things that we do own. And as you say, dehome the things that we don't need or want anymore in a responsible way. Yeah. And it's just been amazing to me to see, 
um, when you're willing to start those conversations, how, how amazingly well that can go and how receptive people are, like, um, just in my own neighborhood, looking for, you know, people who might want extra clothes. Like, I ended up, um, I had some, I think my work now is very business casual, but it wasn't that way when I first started teaching. So looking for people who might have young adults at home who, you know, maybe they're in college, maybe they're starting an internship or they're student teaching and they don't have a big budget who might like some nice business things um, and how excited people get. I think that, um, you know, we think, oh, everyone in my neighborhood, they're the Joneses, you know, they're not going to be on board with this. But it's actually been amazing to me to see how many of my friends who have kids or who are expecting families now are like, yes, bring on the hand-me-downs or yes, like let's do a clothing swap. Um, and I, I was a little bit embarrassed to, to get that conversation started, but I think there are just so many ways that we can get rid of the excess in our own lives and really help other people. And, you know, help the planet too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's always so weird to me when people, you know, have this stigma or, you know, misunderstanding around, you know, secondhand items or hand-me-downs because I grew up only wearing hand-me-downs. I grew up on a farm and so somewhat out of necessity, like that's all I ever wore really was, you know, stuff we could get from, you know, Valley Village or the other, you know, uh, Salvation Army, the charity shops in town. So I've, I think that has really helped my minimalism because I now, now I've gotten, you know, back to this place, but I do not like shopping in actual malls anymore. Like I physically cannot do it. <laughs> it kind of makes me ill. So I think that's really helped me on my journey. And I, that's something I want to write more about to bring it more to light that like, it's okay to, you know, like other people's stuff if they're going to give it to you or you're going to purchase something, you know, secondhand or even from online vintage shops. Like that's an awesome thing to do for a variety of reasons. Not, you know, notwithstanding, you know, the cost is probably lower. It's probably of better quality depending on when it was made. It's better for the environment because it already exists. So you're giving it, you know, a second life, which I think is really cool. And I, I just think that we need to open our, you know, our minds to the possibilities that we don't always need to own you know, the, the best and brightest new sparkly, shiny thing that is, you know, hot off the, the manufacturing line. Yeah, no, you're, you're spot on. And I think the more ways that we can start that conversation and send that message, um, I, I think it's, it's just really shocking in the best way to see how that is able to catch on. When I started, you know, I had fallen in love with Poshmark for reselling clothes and shoes, mostly shoes, tons of success with shoes because it's easy. Um, but you know, reselling is fun and I, I love numbers and I do have that financial interest, but I've realized like if you can get something into the right person's hands, whether or not you're making any money, I mean, you're never going to recoup the value of what you spent. Like that, that was the biggest thing I had to just like, it's sunk costs, move on with your life. Um, 
But once I really gave myself permission to enjoy decluttering for decluttering sake, without worrying about, am I making money? Can I write about this on my blog? Like when I was like, no, just focus on this. Um, I started really appreciating all the different moments like that. And, uh, you know, I keep hearing about how Goodwill, Goodwill's overflowing and their dumpsters, that's everything's just going in the trash because people can't process the donations fast enough anymore. Um, but there's actually, we have, I just learned about this about six months ago, we have a local clothing pantry that runs in conjunction with a food pantry. And I reached out to the person who runs it and I said, you know, I'm, I'm sure like everywhere else, you're just inundated with donations. And he was like, what? And I said, well, I keep reading about, you know, how these organizations can't process things fast enough. He said, we'll take whatever you've got. You wouldn't happen to have any winter coats, would you? Um, and when we had that conversation, I couldn't clean out my closet fast enough because you just realize like there's an immediate need in your community. And if I have the answer to a problem, it's it almost made me realize how selfish it was to hang on to things that I would likely never use again. That's super interesting. I, yeah, I kind of, I feel the same way about that. And I live in a, in a community that is, you know, quite isolated and has a large vulnerable and marginalized population. And so not to say that that's a good thing, but in terms of decluttering, there's tons of local, you know, uh, community shelters or, you know, youth shelters or even just donation centers, you know, that will specifically take certain things. Like there's a place in town that just takes uh, business women's clothes for certain uh, women's programs. Um, and so I think a, a tip for people out there is that if you're, if you want to recontribute to your community is really, you know, do some searching because I can almost guarantee there's at least one place in your community that is in dire need of something, whether it's, you know, shoes or even kitchenware or, you know, bedding, whatever it is, there is something in your community that could use those things and it would, you know, free up space in your home. So absolutely, like, just get rid of it. (laughs) Give it to someone who's going to actually use it. Um, And to your point, Penny, you've actually helped me a lot in, the de- in my decluttering journey recently in terms of selling because I was getting really bound up in, oh, I need to make money on this. Like I can't just, you know, break even or even lose money. And then it just got so uh, time consuming and overwhelming. Like, you know, you'd get offers on things on eBay and I'd go back and be like, no, haggling over like dollars. And I got to the point, I think you either wrote about it or tweeted about it. And from that point on, I was just like, no, Penny, Penny said, Penny said that I can, Penny said that I can let this go and I don't have to haggle. I can just sell it. And it's, it's really helped a lot. Like it's made things leave my closet way more quickly. <laughs> yes. Bring on the low ball offers. Yes. That is a hundred percent my sentiment. There are a couple of things where you absolutely like whatever people want to put their time into. Um, but I think I would encourage everybody if you're in a position where you want to practice minimalism and you feel like you're comfortable with your life, finances are looking pretty good. I think I think something that doesn't get talked enough about in minimalism circles, but gets talked about a ton in personal finance is knowing how to value your time. So, you know, I was talking to my husband and I'm like, gosh, I go back and forth over like $2. 
on Poshmark and it just, it's with me all day. And I just, you know, oh, should I, should I walk? Should I not? Should I counter and, and give, you know, $1? And I'm like, my goodness, I could freelance for 25, 50, a hundred dollars an hour. Like, what am I doing? Just accept the offer, get the thing gone and, you know, move on with your day because really that's to me, that's the value in decluttering. Like it's to free up your time, not to make the process as slow and painful as possible because that's, that's what I was doing to myself. Yeah, absolutely. So for people who, this is a question I got on Instagram when I said I was putting out a, a call for questions on decluttering specifically. And so this is one I got from one of my followers on Instagram. And so for people who are, you know, struggling with decluttering, they can't seem to find their momentum or they're, you know, just finding it really hard to, you know, muster the, (laughs) muster the persistence to get it done. Do you have any tips for people for them to stay motivated or how they can go about it to maybe make the habit stick? Ooh, I don't know if I have the, like the best optimal way to do it, but I can share what my experience has been. That's, that's worked out pretty well for me. Um, and that's really just been permission to give myself breaks. Um, I think when I first started decluttering, I thought, okay, I'm just going to go from room to room and I'm just going to get rid of everything in the kitchen that I don't need. But really quickly I realized, um, you know, that first of all, that changes. But also I think there's different degrees of what you're ready to tackle and when you're ready to tackle it. So I think there's nothing wrong with starting with the easy stuff. Um, one of the very first blog posts I wrote was something like, I decluttered 68% of my office space. And looking back on that post, I always laugh because I was so proud of myself when I had written it. Um, But I'm pretty sure that was when I had given up uh, extreme couponing. And I was just mostly recycling expired coupons and finally putting paperwork in their place and things like that. Uh, So, you know, don't, don't worry about thinking like you have to do everything all at once, work in waves. And if you're not ready to get rid of something now, that doesn't mean you won't be ready eventually. Uh, I think especially with things that people can be sentimental about, you can give yourself permission to hang on to something. Like there's really no right or wrong way to get rid of things. And if it starts to feel like punishment, then take a break. Um, But I I would also say it's really valuable to find ways to celebrate your wins. That's why I love the overlap between personal finance and minimalism on Twitter, because there are so many people that get so excited about, uh, hey, I just got rid of this, this, and this on FreeCycle this weekend. And it's just, it's kind of good to hype yourself up that way to keep going but it's even better if you can find that in real life. Like when my husband finally came around to decluttering, I was like, Oh, my prayers have been answered three years later. Um, and you know, I have one friend and I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go through our sweaters again. Like you text me a picture of what you're tossing and I'll text you a picture of what I'm pulling. 
And I think the more that you can bring that into your life, the easier it is to keep going because you, you feed off other people's momentum as well, I think. Totally. When I, again, when I was in grad school, my friend and I decided to do the, you know, hashtag men's game together, but because we're impatient, we did it all at once. (laughs) We didn't wait for the whole month. We just did it all at once, but it was really great. We just, you know, took everything. It was easier because we lived together, but we took everything out of our closets, put it in our living room. And then we had this whole evening where we just went through everything. We're like, oh, that doesn't fit anymore. We don't need this anymore. This doesn't really work at all. We can donate this. We could sell this. Um, So definitely having someone to go through it with you is, you know, can be very motivating. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think if you don't have that in person or if you don't think you have that in person, when I first started getting rid of my stuff, I think my husband was honestly concerned. Like, do I need to get you somebody to talk to? Because this is so out of character for you and for us. So I think if people feel like that's just not where people are in real life, I think there's such a community online and there are so many people who aren't bloggers or aren't content creators, but they read it and they comment like those are the people that you want to interact with. Like that's your best friend. You just don't know it yet. Um, That's somebody that you can really celebrate with. Like, of course you can reach out to bloggers, but I think there are just so many people who are in the community that are looking for other like-minded people. Um, I, so I think that, you know, sometimes when I would comment on a blog post or when I get on somebody's social media channel, I talk to them, but then you see there are other people who constantly comment as well. And you start to have conversations that way. And I think that can be Um, a great strategy too and something that people overlook definitely I think when you you know launch into decluttering or minimalism more broadly it can feel especially I mean when I did it it felt like I was the only human in the world that cared about that and everyone looked at me like in real life looked at me like I had seven heads because I wanted to you know clean out my closet and live with less stuff but then as soon as you get online into the internet sphere we're everywhere. (laughs) There's so many of us I've connected with. And that's what, what I love about blogging and hopefully about podcasting soon is that you just, you meet all of these cool people. Like I have so many friends and followers now from parts of the world that I would never have connected with before, but we're connected because of our, you know, shared (laughs) weirdness about getting rid of the stuff in our lives. And I think that that is just so cool. And it's a form of community that I think is, really undervalued and is really should be cherished so wrapping up here you know just to spread the wealth and help people create that community that we were just talking about I'm wondering whose content you're loving right now that you want to share with us oh goodness um wow so the list is long but I think a couple of people that come to mind right away. Um, Two people that have been involved in social media and blogging, but I think newer to me that I've started following them and really interacting with them. Claire from Want Less and then Minimalism and Your Money. I really enjoy their online content. I love hanging out with them on Twitter. Um, And then Simply Fiercely, Jennifer, 
she, I, you know, she was one of the first people that I found that wasn't the minimalist. Um, and I think I will love her and her content for that forever, because I think she was one of the first voices. And then, you know, I stumbled across your blog and somebody else who I don't think really brands herself as a minimalist, but is totally there, um, Angela from Tread Lightly, Retire Early. And I think uh, she's somebody I think about quite often in terms of sustainability and just being really purposeful with what you're buying and not buying. So yeah, I think all of those people are just rock stars. I love all of those people too. <laughs> I think they're all great. Uh, uh, Simply Fiercely was also one of the first uh, bloggers I came across in, in the minimalism sphere right after I launched my own blog as well. And it was, it's just so cool to, you know, keep seeing those people there, you know, years later, still writing and still learning and evolving. And I think that that's super awesome. So yeah, all of those people go look them up on the, on the interwebs. <laughs> So for people, where can people find you online if they want to connect with you? Yeah, so my blog is shepicksuppennies.com, and I post there at least a couple of times a week, generally. Um, and then I am on Facebook next to never. So that was one of the things where I just, you know, back to being purposeful and what was um, – contributing to my day. Facebook really wasn't. I do have an account, but I just, I don't pop over very often. I'm pretty active on Twitter and then Instagram as well. And um, my Instagram is just, she picks up pennies. Twitter's a little bit different. It's just at picksuppennies.com. Um, and it's all linked on my blog. So if anybody wants to connect, I would love to learn more about minimalism and Anybody who wants to be a decluttering buddy, I'll sign up anytime. We're putting out the call. Penny needs yeah. a decluttering buddy. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you so much, Penny, for talking to, to me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope everyone listening has too. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks. It was a blast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to another Tiny Bites interview. I think Penny and I could have kept talking for hours. We really only scratched the surface of decluttering, so I hope I can have Penny back on the show in the future. I know I've only done two interviews so far, but I am in awe of how incredible the people in our online community are, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to speak with them. One thing that struck me about my conversation with Penny is how important we both believe community is when you embark in something like minimalism or the act of decluttering more broadly. It does feel very countercultural to want to get rid of the stuff in your life, so having that support system, whether it's online or in your real life, can help to smooth that transition for you and keep you motivated to keep going. I'd love to know how you feel about minimalism as a label. Do you call yourself a minimalist? Where are you on your decluttering journey? I want to know it all, so feel free to comment over on the blog or email me at tinyambitionsblog at gmail.com. If you're enjoying these interviews, I'd love it if you could give Tiny Bites a review on iTunes. It will help put Tiny Bites in front of more people so we can keep this little thing going. As always, if you have a favorite blogger or podcaster you think I should interview, let me know. I'm more than open to your suggestions. Until next time, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Tiny Bites.